All righty, uh, it is Tuesday that will seem like a Monday. Before you know it, the week will be over, and we'll be into another beautiful weekend. Meanwhile, our Cranes Detroit business is all virtual. It's online this week at cranesdetroit.com. You'll find the handiwork of many very talented people, starting at the top with the executive editor, Kelly Root, who starts our week off with us. Long time no talk to, Kelly. Welcome back. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. How are you? I am excellent, thank you. I am uh, raring to go. On the other hand, it is a short week. Uh, Meanwhile, (laughs) we have a special Cranes Digital Edition, and you're doing something that some people might think you're doing because of the times and the pandemic. But Cranes Detroit Business has been honoring healthcare professionals in Metro Detroit for 20 years now. That's correct. That's right. And um, obviously this year is a big year for us because of the pandemic. But um, if you read our profiles of our winners at cranesdetroit.com, you'll find that, um, you know, there are, there are honorees that, that have done work related to the pandemic, but also um, some that, that, you know, are, are not. And, It's a fascinating array of stories that um, we have to tell this week about healthcare professionals in Michigan, including um, a couple of the really interesting ones, I think, um, involve the pediatric care team at C.S. Mott Children's Hospital in Ann Arbor. They uh, separated conjoined twins, infant twins, last year at Mott. This was a fascinating surgery that was a first for the hospital, and it involved, as you might imagine, an unbelievable amount of preparation and practice and time. Um, they spent hundreds of hours uh, preparing for this surgery. These girls were attached to the chest, upper abdomen, and liver, but they did have separate hearts and lungs. Mm. And the surgeons put together 3D models to plan for this, and it involved about 40 to 50 people across uh, different medical disciplines. The surgery took 11 hours. Uh, they, they did five hours of reconstruction, and the girls are now nearly two years old and doing really well. They're oh, walking. They're excellent. moving through their milestones. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really great. I can't even and imagine then, how big that team was, too, the number of people Oh, involved. yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking, can you imagine being the parents waiting through that surgery and, oh, and wondering boy. how it's going to go? And then one of our other um, honorees that was, you probably read about them last year, there were three cardiologists at Henry Ford Health System that discovered that putting your Apple iPhone in your shirt pocket could be a health risk. If you had a defibrillator implanted or a pacemaker, um, the magnets in the iPhone 12s could affect, um, you know, the, uh, the devices that had been implanted. And these cardiologists, uh, published some uh, their findings on this, and Apple actually issued a warning to consumers about it. Right. We do recall. We did talk about that. There's also a nurse uh, who it talks about her rooting out systemic racism in healthcare by developing better intake protocols. Very big uh, part of the healthcare heroes. The Detroit Grand Prix returning to Belle Isle. It is. It is. This comes after, um, this is going to be the first uh, event here after the Indy 500. It's going to be coming back on June 11th through the 13th. Um, as you know, they did not have the Grand Prix last year because of the pandemic. But, you know, folks are looking forward to getting back to racing on the island. Um, 
you know, it's going to be a bit of a scaled down event. We talked to um, Bud Denker, who's the president of Penske Corp, and he said he expects attendance to be maybe about 30,000 to 35,000 this year. Uh, normally in 2019, they got about 95,000 people there. Mm-hmm. And um, they're committed to, you know, trying to trying to improve the teardown and setup time on the island, which has been, you know, controversial. Some people don't like to have them there during the summer recreation season. Um, in addition, this year there's an there's a there's a garden that's opening up um, 2.5 acres on the island, and the flowers are blooming, and and they've had to keep the grandstands away from that. So they're trying to, um, you know, they're they're trying to to run the event and you know, accommodate concerns about the, the setup and the teardown and that sort of thing. Sure. Everybody has thoughts and questions, but everybody loves the uh, millions and millions of dollars the Penske Corporation and the race has put into the park. All of the improvements stay, um, you know, after the race is gone. And every year they've done bigger and more important improvements along the way. Bud Denker will join us a little later this morning, we'll go through all of that. Finally, uh, Airbnb and short-term rental regulations under scrutiny in Michigan. It's a, uh, I think there's a, a headline somewhere. Oh, yeah, plan to stop local limits on short-term rentals revs up again. That's from this morning's Detroit News, but you have a big story on that. We do. This is an interesting issue. Um, it's it's We're talking about Airbnb and uh, Verbo and those those sites that rent um, homes, single-family homes for vacation use, and they're pretty popular. I mean, during the pandemic, I think people liked them because they weren't crowded. It's not like a hotel; you can have your own space to, to stretch out. But they've caused some controversy in cities because um, you know owners, homeowners, want to be able to to rent their their homes for this kind of use. But cities, understandably, want to make sure that they're regulated and not causing a a nuisance for neighbors and that sort of thing. There are two um, GOP lawmakers in Michigan that have one in the House, one in the Senate, who have introduced legislation that would basically define what these rentals are and allow them in residential neighborhoods, basically, without special um, conditions. And that has sparked some pushback from the Michigan Municipal League, which represents cities in Michigan, because they want to be able to have more restrictive ordinances on the books um, of their own. And basically they're saying, you know, this is this is not something that we need the state to do. This needs to be regulated at the local level. Um, you know, Boyne City and Frankenmuth are two areas, for example, that have said we need, you know, tougher restrictions on this stuff. We don't need the state law. But, you know, the Michigan Realtors Association have weighed in and basically said that you know, that we don't need government overreach on the local level and that we need property owners to be able to rent out their, um, you know, their property as they see fit. 